Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson, who interviews founder of To Write Love in Our Arms, Jamie Torkowski. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Welcome to Conversations. This summer at Community, we're going to spend three weekends exploring some tough topics. Racism, mass incarceration, and mental health. Today, you'll get a chance to hear from one of the foremost thought leaders on a topic that can be polarizing in our current culture. Our goal with today's big idea is to model how to have a conversation about this topic by hearing our expert story and looking to the Bible as our truth source. It's our hope that this conversation will inspire all of us to seek to understand the many facets of this tough topic so we can draw closer to God and seek ways to help others find their way back to Him. So with that in mind, let's begin the conversation. In 2006, Jamie Torkowski wrote a story called To Write Love on Her Arms about helping a friend through her struggle with drug addiction, depression, and self-injury. The piece was so hauntingly beautiful that it quickly went viral and led to the founding of a nonprofit movement dedicated to presenting hope and finding help for people struggling with mental health. To Write Love on Her Arms is now an internationally recognized leader in suicide prevention and a source of help for millions. Based in Melbourne Beach, Florida, Jamie spends much of his time on the road telling the story of To Write Love on Her Arms and encouraging audiences at concerts and on university campuses. Jamie, thank you so much uh, for, for being here. And uh, thank you for your willingness to address this tough topic. We're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about uh, anxiety, uh, depression, uh, self-harm, uh, suicide. And this, this is something you need to know for us at Community really hits close to home. We've had uh, students that we've lost uh, through suicide. And um, so this is something that um, we're eager to learn about and really listen to what you have to say. Um, Maybe just to start off, though, it would be good for us to just address, why do you think it's so hard for us to talk about this? First off, thank you. I'm, I'm really honored to be here with you and to have this platform and to talk about a conversation that I'm really passionate about. Stigma is what comes to mind in terms of an answer. Uh, there's such a stigma that has existed for so long that keeps a necessary conversation from happening. I think so many of us wish we could put a hand up and, and simply be honest and talk about our feelings and our struggles, what's going on in our lives, and, and maybe ask for help, but we've never seen it done. We've never seen it modeled. Uh, we've never seen those conversations happen in a healthy way. And oftentimes when the conversations do happen, it's, it's when it's too late, or it's when someone is really, really struggling, or even when someone is lost. And the hopeful part that, that I've been able to see based on my work and the last decade plus is people pushing back at that stigma and choosing to be honest, choosing to be vulnerable. And the way that's contagious, the way that me being honest about my life and my questions, my sadness, my depression, gives other people permission to go there as well. Just to kind of set a context too, I mean, give us a little bit of the research, a little bit of statistics on just how prevalent this issue of mental health is. Sure. So around the world, we lose 800,000 people to suicide every year. Untreated depression is known as the leading cause of suicide. 
Here in America, there's roughly 20 million of us who struggle with depression. And the statistic that maybe surprised me the most, and it's, it's a very simple one, is that two out of three people who struggle with depression don't get help for it. And that this is a struggle that's no different from physical health. You know, we, I think we all understand uh, the many physical ailments and diseases and forms of sickness and that mental health shouldn't be treated any different. It doesn't deserve an asterisk. This is another way that we are fragile. This is another way that we at times are, are broken and that life is simply hard for a lot of people. And for you, this has become kind of your life's passion and, uh, and your purpose. And you've actually uh, formed a whole organization around it to write Love on Her Arms, which is kind of an unusual name. Um, I understand it, but for everybody listening in, why don't you give us a little bit of story of how that organization, your organization was started and how it got that name. Sure, so we got our start back in 2006. At the time, not as an attempt to start a charity, but simply to help a friend, a girl who was a new friend back then, my friend Renee, who was struggling with the issues that now show up in our mission statement. So depression, addiction, self-injury, suicide, and was denied entry into a local treatment center in Orlando. And I ended up writing a story really about the five days that followed after she was denied entry from, and then five days later when she was admitted. And I gave it this unusual title to write Love on Her Arms, which actually related to her struggle with self-injury and the idea of love replacing uh, some, something really related to identity, just a lot of the lies and the pain that she had bought into for a long time. And in sharing her story online, we started to hear from so many people who could relate, uh, whether it was because of their own life or because they were thinking about someone, a loved one, a friend, a family member. And people began to ask for help. They began to ask, how could I help you know, my friend, my family member? A lot of it happens online, social media, but also colleges, high schools, churches, conferences. We really get to go where people are, and we get to invite people not only into this conversation, but but more than anything to get the help that they need and deserve. One of the things that we've said at Community for a long time is just this priority on relationships. And actually, God's original intent for the church is the church would be this community of people who would come together, who would get us through anything in this life and even on to the next. And I think that's exactly the, the thing you're championing. Um, so there's been a lot of stories, I mean, because that's been more than a decade, like you said, since then, but a lot of stories, Tens of thousands of people, literally, you've got to interact with your organizations, got to interact with since then. Give us a couple of the stories uh, that kind of keep you going, that keep you inspired, that keep you doing what you're doing. Yeah, there, there are so many. I mean, the f one that comes to mind is my friend Renee is, is alive and sober and doing well. She just had a baby boy. Oh, really? Yeah, just celebrated her first Mother's Day. That's awesome. So that, you know, that going back to the very beginning, that's pretty incredible that, you know, she was 19 when I met her and she's... 31, 32 now, and, and just brought a new life into the world. I meet people with our logo tattooed on their shoulder. Uh, I think the, the people ask me, what's the best part of your job? What's your favorite part? And I get to meet people who say, hey, I'm still alive because of the work that you're doing. And in addition, or even within that, people who say, hey, I'm, I'm getting help. Uh, I came across your website. I, I took a card at an event. And I realized I'm not alone in how I feel. And I, I finally reached out to a counselor, or I finally stepped into treatment. But I think nothing beats talking to a person who says they might not otherwise be here. And also just, just knowing that we've been able to be some sort of uh, source of hope or encouragement 
for people, not, not just in the US, but around the world, to hear from you know, people who live in places I've never been, right. but they're encouraged by this conversation and they feel less alone as a result of what we're doing. I mean, it is a great cause, um, but it's not really just a cause for kind of people out there. And you've also been open about even your own struggles with, with depression. Um, if you don't mind, kind of just share your own journey with that, how you had to also kind of figure out, okay, you know what, this isn't just me helping other people. I need to go get help myself. Sure. Yeah, I'm definitely someone who struggles with depression, and I, I take an antidepressant. I go to counseling every week. I've had a few different seasons in my adult life. Was there, was there a point for you where you're going, that you had to like even like the counseling or the medication where you had to go and like, okay, I guess I have to. Yeah. I mean, was there resistance? Because I mean, I, I hear that from a lot of people. Well, the, and the irony for me was I had gotten comfortable telling everyone else. Sure. And it's not that I didn't believe it, but I had never taken those steps. So I could stand on a stage and tell people it's okay to take medicine, it's okay to go to counseling. But as you pointed out, it's a different thing to, to put yourself in that boat. Was and, it hard? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's been years now, so I'm, I'm thinking back. Um, the, the meds, I remember, felt like a big step, you know, um, to think, do I, need, do I need this sort of help? It, am I really struggling? But at this point, uh, several years into it, I, it's become two tools that I'm so grateful for because I feel like it's brought stability to my life, and, and especially with counseling, just so much healing and, and progress and... Uh, I feel healthier because of it. And, and so if there's a silver lining, it's that because this is personal for me, I love that I, I get to speak from experience and, and I get to encourage people to be willing to take those steps and I get to say these are things that have helped and continue to help me. Yeah, and one of the things we've already experienced at Community in our own journey is people who have the courage to get help and then they, like you, get on the other side of it, they also, then they open up about, no, I've gone to counseling, I've taken medication, and this helps me become who God needs for me to be. And then it gives other people the courage to do it. It's really, it's very redemptive, which I think is awesome. Um, one of the things you've done too, because I don't know now, are you actually, I mean, are, are you a writer by education or just by passion? Because that, that's kind of how you got started, and now you've got a book. Yeah, I'm, I was never trained. I think I took a creative writing class in junior high. Well, your book's doing really, really well. It's called um, If You Feel Too Much. And basically, it's kind of a collection of essays that are really designed kind of like your organization to give help and hope and healing. What, what, are, what are some of your, your dreams for what this book can do? I think for anyone who writes or communicates, uh, the hope is to move people, certainly to encourage people. And the book's been out for a few years now, and so it's just been amazing to hear those stories of people who find that encouragement or, you know, in the back of the book, there's a list of resources. So I love that the hope is it ends with sort of practical ways that people could take a, ne a next step. So if you find encouragement or you feel less alone, that you could then say, hey, what, what do I need to do? How do I need to move on from here? Uh, so really the hope is it would end up with people having conversations like this or even a conversation with a mental health professional. Like we started the conversation, there's a stigma around this. And um, sometimes it can be expressed, sometimes it's just, I don't know, like somehow it just got intuited that, oh, so you gotta be able to pray and kind of faith this thing away. I feel this way, I have these tendencies, I, I, I have these thoughts, and I gotta be able to just pray and faith it away. When, when you take a look at, at God's word, how, how, would, how would you respond to that? Uh, either people who have said that out loud, or maybe people who are just kind of thought that for some reason, they don't even know where it came from. There's a, there's a verse that I come back to a lot, uh, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that indicates to me that 
you know, we are, we are loved by a God who cares about our pain and can handle our pain and desires our honesty. And uh, this is kind of speaking in a general way, but the, the Bible is messy and, and it's filled with honesty. Stories of people crying out to God, even frustrated with God. And somehow that gets watered down, kind of what you were talking about, where so many people feel like, oh, if I'm a, a Christian, I, I should have it all together. I should have joy and, and I'm, I should be blessed and, and kind of use these different words. So to me, I, I love that we can look at scripture and, and hopefully be inspired to be honest, not only with God, but with each other about what it means to be human. And in your own uh, relationship with God, and as you look and look at the Bible too, I mean, what do you wish people knew about God and who He is, kind of on their behalf in the middle of their struggles? You know, sometimes people will, especially in the context of suicide, ask me, "Why is life worth living? Why should I keep going?" And and so I've come to believe, hey, you have been created to be known and loved by God and also by other people, that it's one of the miracles of this life that, that we get to be in relationships. And I, I have to hope uh, that it will ultimately feel worth it. And, and that, that no matter what life looks like, no matter what your pain or struggles look like, that if you stay for that, it will be worth it. And that you are designed you know, not only for success or a certain job, uh, but, but to simply be known and loved, that you've been created for that. And you know, certainly the, I think the hope also is that the church could be part of meeting those needs. I hear from people who say, I don't have a friend. I don't have a person I could talk to. And so I love the idea of the church being part of that solution, where yeah, if you feel invisible or if you are dealing with grief or heartache, that you could show up at the church and, and find some people, not only find a God who loves you, but find some other people that want to know and love you. Yeah, who form a community around you, who remind you over and over and over again that God loves you, and we love you, and we'll get you through this. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, I mean, that I mean that you've been able to take these experiences you have, and you approach it with this Christian worldview. Um, I'd love to get kind of your insights on a few different things, all right? Um, so we've kind of established early on that, I mean, anxiety and depression, it, it, statistically, I think I'm right about this, is, seems to be more prevalent than ever before. Why is that? What contributes to that? I think there's so, so many factors. You know, okay. everything from things that have been around a long time in terms of financial struggle, relational struggle, uh, divorce, people, people facing the challenges of life, uh, certainly with technology, specifically the internet, social media. Land there just for a little bit. What do you think? I mean, technology, internet, social media, how does that play a factor? I think for a lot of people, they just feel like they can't turn it off. Uh, so whether you're a young person growing up looking at social media or you're an adult looking at the news, uh, for so, so many of us are, are just looking at our phones almost the whole day. And so everything from people's marriage, people's finances, to these great big issues with the planet, the country, the future, uh, so many reasons for people to be anxious. Uh, so I think, I think those are a few things. I'm sure there's, there's, there's folks who are listening in um, at any of our locations, and maybe they're, they're going like, you know what, man, that, I'm struggling with some of this stuff. Um, and if you were going to give them some advice, okay, like, what would you like them to know? And like kind of specific, what should they do? I would put counseling at the top of the list, and by that I mean a, a licensed mental health counselor. 
And then short of that, or in addition to that, I think just talk to someone. Tell someone, a friend, a family member, a pastor, tell someone how you're feeling. Tell someone how you're doing. There is there's something about keeping it a secret. That's, it, that just is poisonous, isn't it? For sure. Yeah, I think, I think it's like, it, not that it's bitterness, but it's like bitterness in okay. that way, that, that it, we carry it around and it just gets worse, it just gets bigger. So yeah, I think, I think be honest with people who love you, mm-hmm. let people know you, let people journey with you, and then in the same way we would for you know, a physical illness or ailment, know that there are professionals who are educated and have the unique experience and perspective to help you. And I think oftentimes it's scary to put a hand up and say, hey, I need to get some help. But you know, my experience and the experience of so many people we've met and interacted with is, is that it, it can be life-changing. It can be life-saving and that it's so worth it. When it comes to like physical health, I think we all know, oh, I need to eat right, I need to exercise, I need to get the proper rest. And if I do that, that gives me a pretty good chance physically. When it comes to our mental health and taking care of our mental health, that feels a lot fuzzier, a lot more ambiguous. So that's what I do with my physical. What, what should we proactively do? Okay, so then one is kind of like, okay, if you're struggling with this, here's your, but for all of us, what should we do kind of proactively to yeah. kind of ensure well, good mental health? Some of those things apply, you know, okay. so, some in terms of, you know, sleep and exercise and diet. Because we are whole. Yeah, people. the brain is part of the body. And then some of what we touched on right before that in terms of, I think, community, friends, uh, honest relationships, honest conversations, and then knowing that that professional help piece is there for us. When we, and, and you may not need it forever. You, you may need it for a few months at a time. You may need it for a few weeks at a time, but it's such a good thing that uh, those people are in place. Those people exist who want to help us. And then I think, I think self-care is a sort of a buzz word that's becoming more popular and I love to talk about it kind of like a buffet where you and I could approach a buffet and we'd probably come away with different things that we were excited about. So self-care is going to look different for different people but what what does it look like to rest? What does it look like to recharge? What does it look like to have a couple hobbies? Simple things that make you smile uh, and and to I think just these places where we can find joy, where we can find stillness and I think it's tempting as, as adults to to put that at the bottom of the list. Oh, I'm, I'm busy, maybe I'm a parent, uh, I have too much going on, and, and so I'm gonna sacrifice. And, and, and there's a reality to that, but I think we're seeing more and more indications that that self-care is actually vital. And again, it can totally look different. But so like for you then, okay. Yeah. So look, are there specific kind of disciplines or practices that you've integrated in your life that help you with? Yeah. Like what? Uh, I've learned I need to get enough sleep, yeah. maybe even a little more than the average person. And that, and that, that, that keeps you sharp. And that I mean, keeps yeah, you from and, going and, and to a darker place. And that's not even the only, you know, so that's one thing. I, I love spending time with my nephews. That's become a source of joy for me. I just got a puppy. I, I like to joke that a puppy is not efficient. Like it's not an efficient, <laughs> you know, it's... It, it, right, it, no, it's definitely not yeah, efficient. Yeah, but, it, but it, this little creature has brought me a lot of joy. Yeah is technically actually a emotional support animal, yeah. which is awesome. And, and I feel like that's becoming more popular and, and certainly service dogs and service yeah. animals. Uh, and then I think prioritizing relationships. So even, even with my parents, with my sisters, with my best friends, kind of circling back and saying, hey, this is, this is really important to my life, that I have dinner with my best friend every couple weeks and we really connect and we ask each other how we're really doing and that we make space for that. 
And then even things as simple as I grew up surfing and loving basketball. And as an adult to kind of reconnect with some of those things I loved as a kid. And uh, so those are just a few things. And then in addition, just counseling has been a huge one for me. A number of us that are listening to that also are, as we're having this conversation, are we going like, you know what, uh, there's somebody I love, uh, my spouse, uh, my child, um, my friend, my neighbor, my coworker, who I think is struggling with this. Or maybe they even told them, told us they're struggling with it. Coach us on this. What are the things um, we should do or what are the things we should not do? I think a lot of times we don't know what to do and right. so we do nothing. We don't know what to say, so we don't say anything. I have a friend who is a professional counselor and he shared something years ago that really stayed with me. And he talked about when you're concerned about another person, the need to balance honesty and compassion. And the way he explained those two things was honesty means asking the hard question, expressing your concern, even when it's difficult, awkward, vulnerable. And then compassion means making sure that person knows that you love them and that we will kind of live in that tension of trying to deliver both to a person who's struggling. And the hard thing, and maybe it's obvious, is that we can't control the response that we're met with. Sure. You could give the perfect speech to this person who's, who you love, but you can't control what they hear or if they take you up on it. But I think we can control that, that we keep showing up, that we keep expressing that love, that we keep asking someone how they're doing. And I think also knowing our own limitations where, where if I know someone who's really hurting, I'm not meant to be the final solution. I want to be part of the process, but I want to get them uh, the help that they need and deserve. I'd love for you just to kind of give us, give us your, kind of your best challenge on this tough topic. Yeah, I think first off, I'm proud of a lot of what we've already talked about because it, it feels significant and, and it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's, it's what I am passionate about. Uh, you know, I, I want people to know that they're not alone if they struggle, that if, if you're hurting, if you're dealing with grief, if you're, if you're coming through a, a breakup or you're dealing with a death or a major transition in your life, that you are not alone and that so many people have been there or are there or will find themselves there. And that, you know, again, circling back, that, that what a miracle that God has orchestrated this life where we don't have to be alone in our pain we don't have to be alone in our questions or our sadness, but we do have to put a hand up, or, or, or more importantly, we do have to be willing to say it out loud. Not to everyone, everywhere we go, but we need to share it with a few people. And the cool thing that happens is, is that allows people to help carry that burden that we're carrying. And then on the flip side, what a privilege that we get to be the ones to show up in the stories of the people we care about, that we get to not only have our burdens carried at times, but we get to return the favor. And I think that we're meant to win and lose together, uh, not to play it cool, not to fake it, not to just, you know, put on a smile. If things are going well, that's great. There's, there's no shame in that. But what does it look like then to just be aware of other people, not only friends and family, but just the people we encounter? I, I met a woman years ago who lost her brother to suicide. He jumped off a bridge in New York City, and she shared this this idea, she just said, I wonder if as he walked his final steps to this bridge, I wonder if anyone smiled at him. And what she was getting at was, I wonder if someone had smiled at him, if that could have changed his day, his mind, and ultimately his life, and even the lives of our family, 
And she was talking about something as simple as a smile from a stranger. And it really stayed with me just in the sense that we never know what our kindness can mean to someone else. Uh, we never know what our compassion or our love can mean. And so what does it look like just to be aware of the people around us, people we know and people we don't? Uh, but ultimately, I believe this is a conversation that's really hopeful. Uh, what a cool thing that we can encourage people to get help because we know that help exists. And what a cool thing that we get to you know, invite people into the idea of, hey, this life is worth living because you've been created, you've been designed to be known, to be in a relationship with God and with some other folks as well. Thanks so much. Um, if you don't mind, would you, would you just kind of close us out and just kind of pray for us? Absolutely. Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you invite us to be honest. Thank you that you give us other people in this life, that our stories are not ours alone. Thank you that you provide other characters and that we get to be a character in the lives of some other people. Uh, thank you for being with us today. And I just pray that you would meet people where they are and that you would remind people that they're not alone and that they're loved and teach us to be vulnerable, help us to be vulnerable, help us to be good friends, good family members, and even good strangers, that we would learn to show up for the people around us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you.